Welcome back to another walkthrough where we literally walk you through this week's most trending topics in real estate. I'm Byron Lazine. Usually the co-host is Eric Simon, the broke agent, but he is on his 57th wedding of the year. If anybody knew he was that popular, I'm sure it's coming as a surprise, but that is the case. We have back on the show, David Childers, KCM Keeping Current Matters president to bring the knowledge heaters all show long. Katie Day, the realist agent at Real Brokerage, <laughs> moved me to Texas. Love that brand in Houston, Texas, making her first appearance on the walkthrough. There it is. And Tim Macy, also with Real Brokerage, but San Antonio. And I love you, Tim. Just had to take that little jab at you because you are my boy. Well, Texas well, is in the house to today. Texas, Texas is in the house. Yeah. Texas heavy show uh, might be good for our fourth topic, which is uh, was headquartered in Texas. But let's stop at start at the top with topic number one. It's a Mel Mike Del Prete article. I love it when he comes out with a piece. This is an Inman piece. Compass approaching critical cash burn. We can put up the the chart there. Essentially, Compass's cash balance since the IPO has been on a straight decline. You can look at Compass. Uh, you can you could also look at Redfin's valuation right now and really any other, Zillow, whoever you want to look at in terms of the stock market today, valuations have been pushed like, you know, really far down from where they once were. Compass has a situation where valuation is down really low and the cash balance is really uh, not not like Gonna something maybe gonna happen in the next 90 days, according to Mike on this article. Uh, but they've got to figure something out whether that means massive layoffs or you know, something may you know that they've got to do something here. So just looking at the landscape of real estate, people, uh, companies are out there in acquisition mode. Do we believe a big, big name, Compass, which was named number one brokerage uh in the mega 200 by Swanapol? Do we expect a big name like that or Redfin to get acquired a la Elon coming in and taking over Twitter? Katie, we'll we'll give you the floor to start the speculation game. Oh geez. This topic. Compass agents don't come for me. No. Um, if Elon comes in and buys Compass, that would be interesting. No, if if um <laughs> yeah. another large company came in and, and bought Compass, I think that'd be really interesting. Um, you know, I I don't, I think that there's definitely potential for that to happen, right? I mean, if they don't have money coming in, right, or if they aren't able to cut their expenses in some way, I know, you know, at least here in our local market in Houston, I think they have three offices and they're all super swanky, you know, so you know, those are, are, are high costs, right? And that's happening across the country in all of their markets. Um, so you can't necessarily get out of those leases, right? Um, so I don't know that that's something that they can, a place in which they can decrease their operating costs. Um, so yeah, perhaps they are ripe for the picking. In the article, Del Preti says Compass is not in immediate peril, but it is approaching a critical juncture where it will either need to raise more money or reduce expenses. Obviously, the obvious way to reduce expenses would be to 
layoff compass business model relies on massive amounts of investment capital to subsidize massive financial losses. David, when I look at like the brokerage, you know, model, the amount of money that they lose per quarter, it, it seems to me not, not sustainable where you can't make that up on, let's call it 15% margins in, right. in brokerage. You can't make it up in volume, right? You know, so yeah. here's the bottom line. I think we are in the beginning of a shift, right? That's probably an understatement. Everybody, anywhere you look, people are talking about that. But um, the speculation is starting with companies uh, of what's going to happen, what's going to be out there. Um, and we said the frenzy will not last when you and I were together just a few weeks ago. And I think we're starting to, to see that. I think we're starting to see the effects of, of consumers starting to go, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. And I know we're going to talk about it in, the, in a minute in mortgage demand, but, but no doubt we're starting to see, um, you know, companies look at how we operate and, you know, kind of been in this last two years of a market that has been historical and sort of moving out of that, out of a white hot market into maybe just a hot market, but, you know, we'll see what, uh, what, what, what the rest of the year brings. So the, the peer comparison in this article, EXP, Realogy, Douglas Elliman, all beating Compass on gross profit, operating expenses, and net. Mr. Macy, you've got experience in some disruptor models over the last number of years. You were one yeah. of the early adopters of EXP and then early adopters of Real. Uh, but what, what, what's your take on, on just specifically Compass in terms of are they more traditional or are they more of a disruptor and what do they got to do to, to solve yeah. I mean, look, uh, we saw Zillow do the same thing, Open Doors doing the same thing. This idea that we're going to buy market share, get a bunch of market share, and then after we get a bunch of market share, figure out how to be profitable, right? Like that is the, the I, this is a bad example, but like that's the WeWork approach, right? Like let's just go buy. Same investor. A, yeah, I mean, yeah, right, exactly. Like, let's just go buy a bunch of market share, rise up to the top, we'll lose a bunch of money, and we'll figure out how to be profitable. And I just don't think that's a great approach. And I think now they're stuck in this spot where, I mean, what they're going to have to do is raise fees. I, I think, like, it's either raise fees or, or decrease expenses or both. And Right now in brokerage where agents are are maybe seeing a change in the market, I think agents are going to be looking for a better deal all the time. And, you know, I think that puts Compass in a really tough spot. And so, Byron, I know you love to think about, you know, people coming in and big business acquisitions because I think it's great for the show and everything. But <laughs> I, I, I don't see anybody coming in and, and buying a brokerage for any meaningful amount that's losing money because it's a you know brokerage is a is a continually decreasing margin game right like it's it's margins are decreasing all the time and so i think if you're going to buy a brokerage i would be looking for one that has a, a really good path forward and you know until they like communicate that i don't know who would buy them well a company like realogy or now anywhere anywhere real estate it might be uh you know just acquiring your old agents back. I don't know. Here, well, it, but it, here's the, the thing that Tim said too, that like, you know, increasing fees for an average agent, not an above average agent, but an average agent at Compass, the fees are high, right? Like they're, they have a cap on how high they're going to give as far as commission splits, you know, for an average agent, they're coming in at a pretty low 
uh, or high split, I guess, low split, they're paying a lot to the brokerage, right? So, I mean, I know they recently, you know, are, are doing title and mortgage and things like that, but if they're not going to get the adoption, you know, they're not bringing in more revenue. So I don't, I don't know that they can necessarily raise fees because I feel like a lot of the average agents that did, don't have contracts with them, like long-term contracts, are going to leave if they get charged more monthly fees and transaction fees and marketing fees. Whether it's Compass or some, somebody else, I, I do, Tim, see a big acquisition coming. If I were yeah, to acquire, if I were to acquire a Compass, and I think the Compass agents would agree agree with me in the comments, I certainly would not change that brand. It has a slickness to it. Agents are really attracted to that, so I wouldn't change anything with the brand feel. But maybe just uh, an operational standpoint change might be in the cards. All right, uh, we'll check that one off. Go to number two here. Weekly mortgage demand from home buyers tumbles twelve percent as higher interest rates take their toll. This is from CNBC. Basically, they fell 12% week to week and were 15% lower compared with the same week one year ago. David, explain this pain to <laughs> us, or is it pain? Well, it's an interesting article. Okay, so CNBC comes out 12% down week over week right now, 15% year over year. The, the interesting thing is the prior two weeks to this, applications were up. Okay. So one week doesn't make a trend, but no doubt, I think a couple of things are happening. Inflation is affecting every one of us. We, we can't go to the gas station or the grocery store and not feel it. But I think what we're, we're, we're seeing right now is we're seeing exactly what we said would happen is rising interest rates are starting to moderate the market. And, and I think two things are, are, are crucial about that. What it is, it's the consumer looking at homes going, it costs more to buy a home today. And I'm not sure, you know, I've talked about, it takes people off the fence. Some people go, we're going to get in before they go any higher. And some go, we're not going to do anything because, you know, we're fearful now. So, so one is definitely doing that to, to the consumer. The second thing we can expect is for this to, to moderate and slow the rate of appreciation of homes, okay? So moderating demand, moderating the rate of appreciation. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. These, these things happen in our business and they make headlines and people are like, what's gonna happen and how's this gonna play out? What are the two things we've been praying for for the last two years? We've been praying for more less demand in the market, you know, yeah. unsustainable demand in, in many cases. And, you know, to slow the rate of appreciation. So we're kind of getting what we wanted and in, in inflation, rising rates are having that effect for moving, I said it a minute ago, from a white hot market just to, to a hot market. Katie, how are buyers reacting to uh, this situation? I know we have a slide, David, that we'll get, we'll get into. I want to get um, Katie in, or we'll, we can jump right into this before we go to Katie. What, what are we looking at here? Sure. This is let's look at the average 30 year fixed is 5.3% right now. Um, I, I brought this slide for a couple of reasons. I think it's sort of uh, an overused analogy or, you know, what we say in the business a lot of times is you should be happy about 5.3% because people paid a thousand percent back in the seventies. That's what we mm -hmm. typically say. Well, let's look at where we're at right now. We're ahead of where we've been for the last 10 plus years. So people that have gotten into real estate, people that have gotten into this market, this feels like a high rate. And we need to acknowledge that, right? We're ahead in the cost to finance a home from the last 10 plus years. But we also need to realize 
we're below where we've been in every decade going all the way back to the 70s. So here, here's my point. If we were in a, in a six or 7% rate environment, we were down to 5.3, we'd be jumping for, we'd be like, this is awesome. This is unbelievable. Yet we've been in a, in a market that's had historically low interest rates, something we've never seen before. And, and we're feeling that, that, that rise and in, in that pain uh, in that. Can history repeat itself to these levels that we see on in the first four bars? You know, I, I don't think with modern monetary policy and everything the Fed's doing, I don't think we will see that. But no doubt the Fed has had their thumb sort of on the scale for the last couple of years during the pandemic to drive these rates low, spur demand. And we know where we're at today. Katie, uh, buyers and agents who are not aware of the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, what's their feeling about the current interest rate? And what are you doing yeah. to educate them differently? No, I mean, I think a lot of buyers, when they get that quote back from, you know, their mortgage professional or whoever it is, they're like, hey, I thought rates were in the threes, you know? And, and so I think part of it is the education front, um, as you just said, and that's something that we've been talking about, Tim and I, in a lot of masterminds and classes and things like that of like, okay, one KCM is a great resource for this, but like, how can you put this economic data into something that's, you know, digestible and, you know, easily under to understand, right? Um, so we've been putting out as much as we can on interest rates, showing, you know, the rates from the 70s dropping down till now. So even though it does, it has a little uptick, um, you know, we're still in theory in a better place than the 1970s as far as rates go. Um, you know, I, I think as far as for buyers, it's just having that conversation and, and making sure that the loan officer or mortgage professional they're working with is able to educate them as rates go up and rates go down, what that looks like for their monthly payment. Because at the end of the day, like people are buying based on their monthly payment, not necessarily the, I mean, obviously the home price and the interest rate play a part in that monthly payment, but they want to know that that monthly payment's under $2,500 or under three grand or under whatever they're comfortable spending. And, you know, we just need to play with that, you know, sales price to, to get them to where they need to be, if that makes sense. Tim, you're an investor, you're an agent, you're a recruiter, you, you're in every aspect of the business. How do you educate people on the history of, the, you know, is, is it using KCM? Yeah. Is it another way? What are you doing to help build confidence in the current rate? It's uh, it's funny you mentioned the investment side because like I'm kicking myself for not taking advantage of more interest rates when they were low. And I know we saw a ton of people that were just looking to like, like smart investors were like, look, I just need to get as many of these houses at three, 4% as I can. I think we're seeing some pullback on that which I think is is good because it's going to leave open uh, more opportunities for homeowners. So like, I know for me, like, I, I, I'm not as aggressive on the investment buying side as I was. I think we're pulling back a little bit as rates go up. Hmm. Um, and then on the uh, flip side of that, I think that, you know, we have a, like this lull where we have buyers we've been working with for the last two months. And so a buyer came in and they were pre-qualified at 450, right? Now, all of a sudden they can only afford 410 that's a really tough buyer to work with and it, and it causes a lot of headache but the the buyers that are coming in now that are getting prequaled and they know up front their budget's 410 right like that's gonna go a lot smoother so i think agents have a tough couple weeks ahead of them as we still try to get these buyers that have been looking for two three months closed but as the new buyers come in the people that need to move are still gonna buy i, I think a lot of that is gonna go away and hopefully uh we'll see more of a normal market 
I've been hearing a lot about that. There's going to be a whole new segment of buyers the second half of this year and next year. And they're not really going to have, to your point, those scar, that scar tissue of the last two years. David, do you expect that even new buyers entering the market? Sure. I think the the, the pain of somebody that, that points have just made uh, of qualifying you know, in January and now looking at what that costs today is, is are real numbers or real dollars. And people are like, well, we can't do this. There's something interesting though, in the market that I'm starting to see, and they, they alluded to it in this article, we're seeing a shift to more people opting for adjustable rate mortgages arms. Okay. Yeah. So you go back to 2008, adjustable rates kind of get the, the, you know, the worst name in our business. If you would have gone into a bank and 2011 or 12 and said, I want an adjustable rate mortgage. They would have run you out of the place. They're like, get out of here. We hate you. Um, but but today we're seeing people finance. And really, I like the pricing on a seven and 10 year adjustable rate mortgage right now. And I think for somebody that's wise, that's not buying in a speculative type of way like we were in 2008, I think it's a great product. So I think you'll see shifts in how people uh, finance homes. And then also kind of going back to the earlier point, I think as we settle into some of these rates. And, and I think there are some things we should look for to get a little bit of relief on rates. One is inflation. The market's looking for the Fed to get inflation under control. I always say this, inflation is the enemy of long-term interest rates. So be yes. on the lookout for that. As, as, as inflation, you know, we're all looking for a little bit of good news. Uh, and, and so as that happens, I think we will see uh, a little bit more normalization going into the second half of the year with buyers and qualifications and products used and all that. Yeah, and with that, obviously, owning real estate is a good hedge against totally. inflation. You know, somebody wants to get educated on real estate. If you, as the agent, are trying to really build confidence in this asset asset class, Bobby, put the chart back up there. You know, getting uh, some understanding around the history of interest rates. And the fact that you can really go from, what, 1965, David, and you can just draw a straight line up and to the right on home value appreciation. So, you know, the cost of mortgaging in a home continues over the decades to come down while the home values, the appreciation continues to go up. You could almost overlay those two charts, David, over at KCM right. and, and show that that comparison that. Uh, you know, if you own real estate in the long term, you are going to certainly do very well. You can try these charts, try kcm.com forward slash BAM, try kcm forward slash BAM uh, down below to build confidence as the agent, as the expert, as the knowledge broker, and be able to educate your clients. All right, going uh, to number three here. And I think, Katie, you sent this one over here during the week, right? This is from Fox Business. Millennials, boomers, part of the triple threat driving up housing prices, according to real estate expert uh, Don Mullen, I believe, right? Yeah, Don Mullen. So he's the CEO of Pretium. Did I say that right? Pretium. They are the, the number one single family homeowner in America right now, largest owner of single family homes. Essentially, what this boils down to, it's a very quick read. We'll link it up, of course. Essentially, what this boils down to is he says, we need less buyers. So he's not talking doom and gloom. Recession is going to pull real estate down. Oh, the interest rates are going to be what kills us. He says for this market to cool off, 
we need less buyers. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's coming after you boomers and and saying some of you guys need to disappear, but uh, he's certainly calling for less buyers. Katie, do you agree that that's that over interest rates what we just talked about or anything else is the number one issue in this accelerating market? I don't think it's the number one issue. I think it definitely has impact though, right? Like we know that a lot of boomers aren't moving or aren't, you know, are kind of staying in place, you know, whether that's health concerns or just, you know, trying to find another house, right? Um, and and really don't know where the inventory is. A lot of them are staying, right? So then, and then we have the millennials, which I think is the largest generation right now, right? That's entering or already in the market or recently purchased. Um, so I think it's, you know, not that they need to, you know, uh, pass away for, you know, more inventory to happen. But like, I mean, I, I definitely think it has impact for sure. He, he does say he's quoted here in the article, the only answer to the near term in the near term, sorry, to increased housing prices. So he's talking about this appreciation that we're talking about is a reduction in the people trying to buy. I don't think millennials are going anywhere. They're going to keep coming into the market. We just talked about that last segment, like that new segment of buyers in the next six months and next year coming into the market. He says, when you look at the numbers with millennials forming households and aging in place, which Katie just mentioned, the average age of the person moving out of their single family home used to be 60 20 years ago. The CEO said it's now 74. David, thoughts on this? Well, so here's what we know. Uh, millennials, greatest generation behind the baby boomers in size. They're right now moving through peak home buying years. We know that. Um, the interesting thing, Ivy Zellman's talked about this. She's yes. been on a couple of podcasts. There are a couple of things happening in this country. The rate at which population is, is growing is starting to decrease or has been yeah. decreasing in this country. If you've been following that, the rate of growth is not as much as it was, you know, five, 10 years ago. What are we also doing? We're building more and more homes. Um, and so I think you're going to see, and I think we may talk about this, the federal government's response to that and trying to get, you know, more homes, uh, in, in, in inventory. So it, it's, it's definitely interesting, but, but the demand is out there again. I'm going to go back to what we just talked about. Rising interest rates are sort of moderating this demand. What happened two years ago in the pandemic is we saw interest rates lower than we've ever seen before. And something else happened that I don't think we talk about enough is, the meaning of home changed for so many people. So they said, I want a place. Oh, by the way, this is, is you know, the time to do it. If I don't do it now, I'm going to regret it. Um, and so I think you're seeing just that perfect storm of demand. Listen, in our business, I think we all want to see more people buy a home. Anybody that wants to buy a home can buy a home. We want to see that happen. Um, and no doubt there's been this, this lack of inventory, this, you know, just onslaught of demand that's out there. So um, listen, in the article, I, I agree with it to, to slow prices. We need less demand. That's just fundamental economics, right? The other thing I would say though, kind of going back to the last conversation, I think the more people that understand and are sort of getting this right now, whenever you buy something in an inflationary economy, you want to do that in today's dollars. So you want, people want to buy in today's dollars. So they, you know, don't pay that price five or 10 years down the road. And I think we're going to see that demand continue. I don't see a scenario where people are just going to go, we, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be in the market. We don't want to buy a house. And I don't know that the home values with the amount of new money we've introduced into the economy is necessarily an issue. I certainly do. You mentioned 
you know, the, the administration rolled out a plan, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just in time for midterms to, you know, talk about solving the affordable housing crisis. I would agree there is an affordable housing issue sure. yeah. in this country for mm -hmm. sure. You know, if you want to get below the median price point, it's going to be very difficult. And investors are, you know, buying those homes, whether the plan presented is going to be one that works. We know going back on either side of the aisle, any plan that's been presented really hasn't worked. And that's why we are where we are today. Uh, Tim, do you just kind of going off topic here a little bit? Do you think the values of homes are just way too high as we sit here in May of 22? I would say I think you're going to see some pockets of homes, uh, uh, types of homes decreasing in value that are highly overpriced. I mean, well, when, do you have when, a feel for just not to cut you? Yeah. In Texas, obviously, people are going to look at Texas as a market mm -hmm. that is, and Ivy Zellman has mentioned this, potentially overbuilding, yeah. uh, you know, as one case, right? Phoenix is always a market that people are going to look at as early indicators. Tim and then Katie, any feelings from builders in Texas that, whoa, demand slowed way down, prices are too high, something's going to gonna happen here? I would say for me, one, one thing I think is is when the market's way up, right, like all these tech companies are up, you've got a bunch of Silicon Valley money, right, doing great, and their net worth may have just got cut in half in the last two months. And so a lot of those crazy California prices for that high-end stuff I think is going to pull down. On the same side, we have a lot of those crazy California prices taking their equity and paying way too much for houses here in Texas. And so, like, I see our, our $500,000, $600,000 houses that jumped to, like, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. I think I see some of that probably softening up because that crazy money isn't in the market, I don't think, or isn't going to be in the market as much. But I think that you know, that 300 to 500 range house is going to keep demand is going to keep steady. But I do think some of the higher end market that's just gotten a little ridiculous is going to see it. Katie in Houston is three, five, something that you can still get today. Um, under 400 is tough. Yeah. Like new construction retail either. It's tough, right? Um, in Houston here specifically, our average price point Topped 400 last month for the first time ever, right? And so that's now kind of where we sit. I think that might soften a little bit, but when you look at months of inventory and just general um, available inventory in each kind of 100 to 200K price point, like every um, everything under 400 is super slim. So even if we did see a little bit of a softening of the market and softening of demand, you know, in that first time home buyer category, you've got first-time home buyers, you have investors, you have funds that are buying and REITs and things like that. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd agree. I, I hate to say it, but I'd agree with what Tim said, um, you know, as far as, as, far as what'll happen in Texas. So, you know, not generally something I like to do, but, you know. We should have picked right. topics where we could have just disagreed with Tim the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time. All right. We'll check that one off as in agreement with Tim. Go to our last topic, Rex homes discount brokerage that made a lot of noise in a lot of different markets they were an austin texas based brokerage they have now shut down david you've got a lot of experience in this industry why haven't discount brokerages i guess outside of maybe if you put redfin in that bucket i don't know that i 
technically would put them in in the traditional discount brokerage bucket. Why haven't over the decades really any discount broker ever, you know, made it for for a long sustainable period of time with with the big ones? Gosh, it's a great question. You know, I, I would say, uh, so let's kind of frame that conversation. Coming out of 2008, we've been on this run in real estate for the past, um, gosh, 14 years. It's been, uh, you, you know, a, a run that has been, you know, wonderful. We've seen great things happen in our business and growth in our business and all that. You know, I think the the reason for that is at the end of the day, and and I think others could could weigh in on this, is the, I guess my my point would be the value prop there doesn't meet what's in the market. Meaning, you know, I, I think the educated agent, the professional agent that is out there working with buyers and sellers trumps that model all day long. And so I think that's why we don't see it sustained. But that 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 would be my speculation on it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean. It also makes sense it's like where a discount might work because they're just like saving cash. People like saving yeah. money. But this is a very, you know, most times the largest financial acquisition of a lifetime. Maybe that you you duplicate maybe two or three times, you know, throughout your lifespan. Katie, any any thoughts on this? Katie and then Tim, they were, you know, based out of Texas. What's your experience with Rex? Why do you think it didn't work out? Yeah, so we didn't have a ton of experience. There was um, a, an, an Inman article that came out, I think, in 2020 or maybe late 2019 um, about um, basically them not doing great in Houston and Houston agents not accepting the model and, and being frustrated because they, they didn't pay buyer agent compensation, right? There's an antitrust lawsuit against Zillow and then NAR about, you know, basically agents, you know, not cooperating and companies not cooperating yeah. with them and yeah. Um, but I think one of the things, and I, I didn't know a ton about them, but I think one of the things is they didn't list the homes in the MLS. So, I mean, I don't know that they ever really got any market share, right? So if you have this W2 model where you're paying agents salary, but then you don't have revenue coming in, you know, at, at a certain point, I can see why, why they shut down. Um, you know, I think the W2 model is tough if you don't have high volume, right? Tim, any experience with Rex? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, the idea that in that there's some, you know, validity to it is that, hey, I can I can just put it on Zillow and the thing will probably sell. I mean, that was the the whole model is I don't have to be a member of the board to put it on Zillow. I'll just put a sign in the yard, put it on Zillow and maybe a couple other sites. And that should be enough to get an offer on the house, um, which I think was kind of their their model. And they weren't going to pay buyer's agent commission and whatnot. Um but I think the differentiation between Redfin is that Redfin, uh, look, I'm going to say right now, like uh, there's a lot of Redfin agents that I worked with that are great. Like they still put an emphasis on providing some level of service because service is needed to sell a house. You know, like you can't just digitize the entire process. Like you need good service in the mix. And so we saw a lot of the listings like overpriced, you know, even if you wanted to show it, you couldn't figure out how to show it. So, you know, as a listing agent, I shouldn't make it difficult to see a house. And then you have a agent who has a buyer and they go to write an offer and they have to break it to their buyer that their buyer has to pay their commission because the listing agent's not. And obviously 
the seller's the one that feels the pain for all those circumstances. And so, you know, it, it, it just wasn't, I don't think it was a great product and a great service. And at the end of the day, that's why everything succeeds or fails. Yeah. The market is the market. Nine out yeah. of 10 sellers choose to work with an agent. So I think everybody kind of hit on it. David started, uh, you know, if the consumer wants this service, you know, to guide them, to consult them and advise them through yeah. their largest transaction, then there is going to be a need and a demand for, you know, a high level of service as opposed to automation into yeah. MLS and feed to, to Zillow. There's one thing I would add to that too. And I think it's kind of the common theme in, in these markets. And we talked, started off talking today about maybe the shift in the market and all that. It's that flight to quality, right? That that happens in these, in these times. Flight to quality. That's think, a good way. Go ahead, Katie. I was going to say, I think the other thing too is, is like if they would have been focused in on the service and like Tim kind of touched on this with, with the Redfin model, right? Like they have showing agents. They can get you into a home very quickly. They have people on staff for runners. They have listing agents. Like they're focused on service at potentially a lower price, right? Or they provide rebates or whatever they do, right? From from Redfin. I feel like when you Google Rex and you Google Rex brokerage, all that comes up is them saying that they're going against the real estate cartel and they're fighting commissions and they're they're looking to give. But in not, in none of the articles or anything that they read about them is them saying we're trying to provide a better, a better experience for the consumer. Yeah. And I think like if they would have maybe focused in on that and also, you know, taking down this real estate cartel as, as their secondary motive then they could have been a little bit more successful. But all you read about is them saying they're trying to take down the real estate cartel. So I don't know. And so, yeah, kind of tying cost. it all the way back to that first topic, <laughs> despite how you may feel about Redfin, and I don't know if I technically put them all the way in this discount brokerage model. You know, they're a little bit different. They're a data center. or They're probably a tech company first more than anything, obviously. But, the, you know, the reason they've probably been around, if you do put them in that bucket, the longest of anybody, 14, 15 years, whatever it's been, is that they do overwhelmingly, Katie, to your point, talk consumer, consumer, consumer. So you, you got to give it to them there. Now, I do believe maybe a Compass, maybe a Redfin, maybe a somebody. And watch out if Z tries to buy uh, Redfin or something like that. Just watch out. We'll have some serious content on these shows for a while. I think I think something big <laughs> is brewing in the landscape of real estate, but we'd love to hear what your thoughts are in the comments. Have you worked with Rex? Do you think there's a big acquisition coming? Uh, what are you doing to educate your clients on the changing interest rates, the inflation? I would encourage you to hit the link below, trykcm.com forward slash BAM. You can get that material, try it out for free so that you can build confidence in your expertise and in the marketplace in which you serve. David, really appreciate you joining us. Katie and Tim, welcome to the show. You guys will be back. I'm certain of that in the future. And we'll see you guys on the next week's walkthrough.